Sylvia by time. <laughs> it's Mario. Oh, okay. Oh, Mar- yes. It, it was Ma- Mario. The, the, one, the one stereotype that it's okay to do. Yeah. Because he's just been... Like, the racism of Mario has just been grandfathered in. Charles Martinet can... He's allowed. He just yeah. gets away with it, and he rubs it all in our faces. The one man who's allowed to be racist. <laughs> I'm joking, listeners, before people get upset. People were already a bit upset with uh, Postal. Most people enjoyed the episode, but some people... Uh, uh, Mer- Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry Christmas! Or should I say... Happy holidays. What? Oh, oh. Oh, I went there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dropping the H-bomb on you all. Oh, the I... war on Christmas rages on. Oh, yeah, I'm on the front lines. Hate it. Hate that Jesus fella. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's start things properly. Um, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever you want. I, I don't give a shit. Whatever means... The most to you, I wish it to you in good spirits. Uh, and as a gift, as a gift for this season, we come bearing Super Mario Brothers. Uh, one of the, I want to say the all-time, one of the all-time classic video game movies. Not because yeah. it's good, but because it is, when you think of video game licensed movies, it encapsulates so much about what they are. Uh, and I think both the good and the bad. Uh, it, it it really personifies it, and and it's very very uh, uh, what's the word representative of the nineties. I think it's, uh, it, it's it's of its era. It's a fascinating little film. I mean, because Super Mario Brothers it, by that point, I mean we it was well known in the popular culture, and and people mm-hmm. would recognize the character, and uh, and then what they made was so different. So different. Like, like, so not Mario at all. Right, yeah. But it was it was original. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like the concept. If there's one thing that can be said of Mario Brothers, I, I, I can't fault the effort. that They tried. I think some of it is, is poorly presented, maybe? Poorly, perceived, poor, poor, poorly presented and also poorly uh, conceived. Uh, there, there are many elements of it that were doomed to never work. Yeah, uh, and there and are part things of that, that is... could have worked that they didn't present right. Well, and a lot of that comes down to this is a a film that was rewritten like four times. Mm-hmm. Um, the production of Super Mario Brothers, the movie, it's a, it's a really interesting story, and um, the story of its being made was in the book Console Wars by Blake Harris, but. Uh, slash film uh, published that chapter of the book. Got got permission to publish that chapter of the book. It's a really interesting read. Uh, but there there was the very first script for this. The very first screenplay was a more bright, colorful, you know, family oriented, uh, slightly comic, I think, um, flick. And they decided they didn't want that. Um, and Nintendo saw. Sega skewing more adult with its marketing on the Genesis. Yep, they had all that 90s attitude. And so they said, well, you know, we should... Maybe games are skewing more adult. Maybe we should aim older also. And so they 
actively encouraged the development of this script, and they chose um, they chose people to direct it who I would not have, based on their prior work, thought, yes, these are the people to direct a Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, the the directorial team that that was tapped ultimately, and then in this past there were a few directors considered. Uh, lead roles were shuffled around. At one point, Dustin Hoffman really wanted uh, to play Mario, mm-hmm. and Nintendo uh, didn't. <laughs> I couldn't quite see it working. Like I uh, love Dustin Hoffman, but I couldn't quite see it working. Well, I think this was you know this was right around Rain Man. Yeah. And so it could have been, it could have worked out. You know, put a mustache on Dustin, you know, put put a big thick mustache on Dustin Hoffman. That could have worked. Might have been interesting. Possibly. I mean, I I can't see it myself, but I, you know, I associate him, you know, with with other other roles so strongly. He he had such tremendous, he had demonstrated such tremendous range at that point in his career. Of course. Oh, yeah. I I don't doubt that he could do the performance. But I think it's it's a it, it's it might be just a mental association for me that I see him so strongly as other characters that I can't I just can't see him in the Mario getup. So the, that the might team, be my problem. The team that directed this, uh, Rocky Morton and Animal Jankel, uh, prior to this, uh, they got uh, prior to this they'd done the movie a uh, movie called DOA, which is a, a it was a remake of the of a nineteen fifties noir film. It's a really really good movie. It's a really good movie. I highly recommend it. Um, and then before that, they got to Hollywood to make that by creating Max Headroom. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, and so that explains so much when you look at Super Mario Brothers, knowing that the, the Max Headroom directors, or, you know, creators directed this film. Mm-hmm. Because there is that same kind of dystopian vibe in its set oh, yeah, stage yeah. Like design the, that, that you would see in the Max Headroom series. The whole atmosphere of it, like, it could logically have been some sort of Max Headroom extension. Yeah. Um, and But the whole production was a, a nightmare, people not communicating with each other. Um, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo uh, drinking on set, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do love the... I do love the the concept of that. Like, like it must have sucked for them because, by oh, all God, accounts, yeah. you know, it wasn't a great thing to film. And they, Bob Hoskins, like you know, would go on to talk about everybody who worked on this seems to have afterwards come away saying this was one of the worst projects I'd ever been a part yeah. of. So it sucks in that way, but the idea of the just the camaraderie between the two performers getting drunk together and just. Just, just to do it. it out, yeah. Just getting liquored up and suffering together through it. There's a, I know. There's there's something romantic about that in in the classical sense of the word romantic. And and uh, it's 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 a poetic kind of wonderful thought. And to give credit to the talent of Bob Hoskins, mm. I, like. You watch this movie, and it's it's hard not to think he's having a good time. Yeah, he looks like he's having fun. What a, what an amazing amazing talent he was. Yeah, and and like like you know e- e- even sarcasm aside. No, seriously. Um, no, yeah, he it genuinely looks like he's having fun, and 
is genuinely, well, was genuinely an, an immense talent. Um, yeah. Wonderful actor, you know. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's a shame some of his British stuff never really made it across the pond because you know mm-hmm. he was obviously a, a, a British guy. He was on uh, TV and, and commercials and stuff a lot over. Uh, I was going to say over here. Well, I mean, I'm over here now in America, but over there, um, and he was yeah pretty much a, a, a real household name. Uh, and I, I want to say over here in America, he's more. It's Mario and uh, Roger Rabbit. Yeah, why did I say Hook? He's not in Hook. He is. Is he? Yeah, it's Smee. Okay, so he was Smee. All right, so I was right about that. Right, okay. Yeah, to a, I would say to a lesser extent, Hook, just because Hook seems to have... It seems to have fallen a lot from yeah, sort of nobody cultural Nobody appreciates relevance. Hook the I way I feel they should. Yeah. As a child, I adored Hook, and it's still a... a it's not uncommon for a, the Sterling household to have it on during the Christmas season. I'm not, uh, like, I'm not super big on Robin Williams in that movie. He's okay. He's okay, but you're watching it mostly for and and you know, funny enough, we brought him up earlier. We watched Hoffman, it yeah. for Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Hoffman and it up, Ed Hoskins, and the kids. The kids are all good. They're pretty good. They the scene where the girl gets kids. the F, where he's teaching the children, because if you've kidnapped children, you might as well tutor them. It's an amazing scene. And and uh, oh, and we saw Rufio in one of our other films. Oh recently. yes, yeah. Yeah. God, why didn't we do Hook today? Yeah, we should have done Hook. We should have done Hook. It's got Bob Hoskins <laughs> in it. It would have done. <laughs> would have been good enough. We got yeah, Bob that's... Hoskins in it, and a man Nintendo didn't want to play Mario. What I should have done, what I should have done was watched Hook, mm. <laughs> presented the synopsis for Hook. Oh, that would have been great, because that would have fucked me up as well. <laughs> I'd have been so confused and distressed for a while. <laughs> But no, we did we did Super Mario Brothers instead, uh, and I guess we'll just we'll get on with the synopsis. Well, yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk. Did you have any experience with Mario Brothers prior to? Watching? I never heard of it. Never heard of Mario. <laughs> I was thinking about that earlier, like when I was watching the film. I was like, like we normally talk about our experiences with the game series, but it's such a ubiquitous, yeah, thing. Like an institution is is Mario. It would be like, and it'd be like doing a British. TV podcast and talking about EastEnders like we had anything relevant to add to its legacy. Well, um, like I didn't, I didn't touch Mario until Game Boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had played it because I had friends who had Nintendos, but I didn't have an NES. And you know, and there was a somebody made a version, a a port of Super Mario Brothers for Commodore sixty four. You know yeah. that circulated around, but I was never able to get a copy of it. And I still haven't. And I've I've seen it, but I've never played it. And that was like the holy grail for my Commodore that I I just never managed to track down. Well, I never Um, really got into the Mario stuff until I was about 13, and I've told this story on podcasts before. I think you've probably heard it. You've probably been present when I've told it. Um, When I was 13, I struggled with some depression stuff. Uh, and ended up very obsessed with the death. Uh, became like scary obsessed with death. Um, had to. See, I went to see a doctor for it and everything. Uh, but my mother at the time, like we'd recently gotten an NES, and, and just to give you an idea of how poor we were, like this was, this was well into the uh, genesis. Like, like I, I, I want to say even the the 
PS1 was not far off. Yeah, well, but this we'd would finally have, this just like got it would have been like 1996 or so. Something like that. We'd yeah. finally gotten an NES. <laughs> and my my mother became um addicted to Super Mario Brothers 3. And it was on constantly while I was um depressed and obsessed with death. So <laughs> in my mind now through association, like that constant daily reinforced association from that period. Super Mario Brothers 3, even today, like it's lessened over time, but even today still is faintly depressing. Huh. Nostalgically faintly depressing to me. Um, so it's that's music. Such a, it's, that, that's fascinating. Yeah, it, it really is. Like I mean, that's again, it, 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 that's how strongly my mind was in this particular space right. it was in. Uh, and also how strongly my mother was addicted to Super Mario Brothers 3, that those two were the ruling facets of my life for a period of time and blended together in my mind so that Super Mario Brothers 3, to me, is is a game uh, linked with, with death and depression. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm seeing World 1-1 in my head and hearing the music right now, and it, it like... I can play it. Like I, 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 I think I've downloaded it on my 3DS. Like I've got it. Um, if I've not, like every now and then, I, I tell myself I should go get it. Um, it's not like like it makes me depressed now. But as I play it, like it's just this atmosphere of of, of hopelessness <laughs> that comes with it. Uh, it's an odd thing. Anytime uh, things are going just really well, like I gotta fix this. I know. That's it. Yeah, bring me back down to earth. Play some Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> oh, well. Should we do it? Should we talk about Super Mario Brothers? Yes, let's cheer ourselves up by talking about Dennis Hopper and uh, Bob Hoskins having a terrible time in a film they, they hated. Uh, now, we'll do that now. Well, after the music bit. The film opens with our old friend expository voiceover. Hooray! Um, yay! A pixelated animation shows prehistoric Brooklyn occupied by dinosaurs, and a meteor crashes into the earth and, and kills these dinosaurs. Now, this graphic sequence, this was added at the very, very end of the film. Because they realized, oh, this plot makes no fucking sense. <laughs> oh, by the way, like, like uh, Conrad has actual facts about this movie. He knows well, shit about this film. Uh, it's yeah. not on Amazon X. It's not. Well, it's not on Amazon streaming. So I, I just watched it on YouTube. It's on YouTube because ain't no company claiming responsibility for this. No one's copyright striking it. It's not being taken down because no one wants to claim it. That's so, so it's, it's so strange because Nintendo is so <laughs> draconian about it. Yeah, normally well, Nintendo want nothing to fucking do with it. I mean, you know, the one thing I. I do remember about this film is that it's the reason Nintendo doesn't do films. Like they, 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 they cut any potential ties with Hollywood after this one. Well, uh, there was so, talk. There was talk of a Metroid movie for a while, but that. But it's Metroid. So. Well, that got that got ta- that eventually got canned. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo um, remembered they hated Metroid and, and cancelled it. They did that yesterday. At the time of talking, they did that yesterday. They didn't. I was joking. So the, the voiceover uh, suggests a scenario well, where the meteor that. didn't kill the dinosaurs, but instead divided the world into two dimensions. 
One where the dinosaurs evolved into sentient beings and then found their way to our dimension where humans live, the world we would recognize. Yes. Yes. Um, So, you know what? If you can swallow that, you can handle the whole rest of this movie. I have to wonder if this was... If the film was was inspired in some part uh, by the... And maybe you'll know, because I don't have Amazon X-Ray helping me out. I've got no facts about this at all. Uh, and, and I get every... Basically, every bit of knowledge I have about anything in the world comes exclusively from Amazon X-Ray. So if I don't get that overlay on Amazon um, Instant Video, I don't know anything about what happened. Um, but... Do you know at all if this was inspired by one of the um, cartoons, one of the Mario cartoons? Because there was um, a there was a cartoon. I think it was called Super Mario uh, Land, maybe. Uh, but it was based on it was loosely based on Super Mario Brothers three. And the major difference between it and the games is that King Cooper, who was only ever called King Cooper, never Bowser. King Cooper was a green alligator-looking dragon dude. Like, he didn't look like the Bowser everyone recognises. Right. He looks like a a strange alligator with a shell. Hmm. And and I bring that up because the the Koopa they have in this film is more reminiscent of that, of, of the alligator dinosaur when they show it at the end. And there are other little things that, like, uh, at one point, the um, the cousins, the cousin characters say, "They who live, they who fight and run away, live to fight another day," which was King Cooper's catchphrase in the cartoon. Oh, he used to be like, you know, he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. He had a weird voice like that. That I mean, that might have maybe been a reference. It was a weird cartoon looking back. But the other thing that why I ask now is eventually they seemed to, I guess, run out of ideas for the cartoon show. So they kept... And and I remember this as a child. The, the verbatim quote is, they kept going to the real world. They kept leaving the Mushroom Kingdom to go to the real world, oh. which was our Earth. Yeah. Because now, that seemed to be a thing in like the late 90s. Like Everything had to keep coming back to fucking Earth. It couldn't be in its own place. So they kept going through, I think, warp pipes going to the, like, the real world. And I'm wondering if any of that inspired the film with the different dimensions and other um, little references they have. Yeah, I think... I don't, I don't know that that directly um, inspired this. I mean, basically, when Nintendo was, making this, was, was looking into making this movie, uh, they went ultimately with uh, a couple of independent filmmakers to, to make it um, and you know, to, to produce this thing. And, and these are people who've done like really serious, dark films, like The Killing Fields, which is a, a, a film about Pol Pot and the, the state-sponsored genocide in Cambodia. It's a yeah. dark fucking film. Um, but they, so they pitched this more... Um, adult spin on it uh and 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 this this sort of darker twist that Nintendo liked and 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 seemed to appreciate that idea um and then the 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 script was 
bounced around and made lighter and made darker and made lighter and made darker a few times. But I think that this kind of central idea came out of the production team's original pitch. Um, I think more than... Yeah, I mean, it could just be coincidence. Like I said, I mean, even... Like, in that period of time, things existing in their own realm um, weren't all that popular. It always had to have some tie to, you know, the planet Earth. Yeah. So it was always well, you look like at Masters let's of come... the Universe is a great example of that. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, now that I think about it, 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 it was it spanned from the eighties through to the nineties. Mm-hmm. It was this huge, like, like every time it was a spin-off. It's it's only more more modern that spin-offs have kind of well, and, remained and in there. Well, even like, still, like though, licensed things. Even still, though, you look at like Smurfs. Yeah, yeah, and, they and still they, have to. They still have to bring it. that into the real world. Yeah. The goddamn Smurfs. I guess, like, just Hollywood thinks it's not relatable if it if it isn't if there like, is a the person in there. Yeah, yeah, if they can't bring it into some sort of recognizable, um, you know, form Context, of, of yeah. interaction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it could have been a coincidence just based on on. That, but you know, you know it could also ones. very well have just been you know, a, a bit of reference because I mean, this is certainly there's a whole lot more in the the design of this that varies wildly from anything else in Super Mario Brothers. So That's there's no true. reason yeah. not to think that they wouldn't have looked at that and said, oh, we can reference that. Uh, yeah, hard to say. Um, so, yeah, the uh, title card pops up telling us that we're now 20 years in the past as opposed to, you know, prehistory. Yeah, hops about a fair bit. Yeah, and a woman... <laughs> runs in the rain to the doors of a church, leaves a metal case and a crystal on the stoop and knocking before running back into the night again. And she descends into the sewers below where she encounters a man in a military uniform she identifies as Koopa. Meanwhile, some nuns collect the bundle and open the case to find an egg which hatches, revealing a humanoid female child. So, there you go. Yep. The stage is set. Uh, we go to present-day Brooklyn, the Mario, and Mario Mario gets a call for plumbing work, while Luigi Mario watches a TV show about alternate dimensions. Hey! Whoa, but, but, but at the beginning of the film, they said the world was split into two dimensions. What a coincidence. It's also oh, established God. that there's been a series of kidnappings of young women in the area, and that Mario is a man of limited imagination. That is basically Mario's defining character trait <laughs> in in this movie. This is yeah. this is the the thing that represents his dynamic character He's arc. He's very small minded. Right. Yeah. It's a narrow worldview. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's uh yeah, there, there isn't really character development in this film. He's realistic is his problem. Yeah. That's his problem. He's you know, having being grounded in reality. Fuck is, him. Is your is a character flaw in the world of Super Mario Brothers? Oh, what a piece of shit! Which is ironic because the film, rather than set itself in the Mushroom Kingdom, right. literally grounded itself in reality. I'm getting some mixed signals here. Yeah, this movie is a hypocrite. They drive to their plumbing job with Luigi driving on instinct. And surprisingly, they arrive faster than they would have, but they're still beaten by their rival, Scapelli Construction. Oh, fuck me. Oh, those darn Scapelli guys. Speaking of Scapelli, 
this uh, Alex- Anthony Anthony Scapelli is his name. He arrives on the scene of a construction site that's been held up by the discovery of dinosaur fossils, and he wants to get people back to work. So he threatens the uh, researcher on the site, a woman named Daisy, reminding her of all of the missing women that have been, you know, happening lately. And Daisy declares her intent to contact her university and get more security and, you know, sort of stands tough. And there's these two sleazy guys in a car watching her leave this construction site in search of a phone. And they seem to intimate that they intend to abduct her. So we are to conclude that these are the people doing the abductions. Um, And they're bumbling idiots. And one of them walks into a pane of glass. I think that's Spike. Spike walks into a pane of glass. It's a classic gag. I gotta say though, like notably unfunny. Yeah. Like like I think the last time I watched this, I thought they were entertaining. That might have been back when I worked at Destructoid. But watching it today, watching it earlier this morning, I was like, these f- for such stock characters whose slapstick should have been easy laughs. Mm-hmm. They're not funny at all. And it's nothing... It's not... Uh, I was going to say it's nothing to do with their performance. They don't do great. The actors no. don't do great. But also the writing doesn't even really try to make them all that funny. Right. Like it, We know they're supposed to be comedy characters, but it's almost like the script thought that was enough. It's like we, we recognise these are supposed to be funny, bumbling sidekicks... And we'll laugh just at the idea of that. Yeah. Um, and now, these actors have been... You, you probably recognize them. Um, they, uh, Fisher Stevens plays Iggy. He's been in a, a ton of shit uh, over the years. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, Bob Roberts. Uh, he did a couple, like a year before this, which is a... It, boy... More relevant today than it was then, probably. Um, it's about a, a, a folksy... It's like a mockumentary about a folksy politician uh, on the Republican side who's just an empty shirt. Um, worth watching. It's on Netflix. You should, you should check that out. Uh, so, Oh, and he was in Hackers. You probably saw him in Hackers, too. And then the other guy, uh, Richard Edson... Um, he's the garage attendant in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No. Oh. So, he's the one who steals the Porsche and takes it on the joyride while right. there. Uh... I'd, I'd have led with him, because that's less impressive after the other one. Yeah. yeah I feel I sad now. I mean, either way, the... we're not losing a Laurence Olivier if neither of them perform again. Right. Yeah, well, uh, you know... You know Sorry, uh, sorry to say. No, but, well, well, Fisher does good documentaries now. So, there we go. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah. he found his his niche because because yeah, he, he, he directs some good documentaries. Yeah. These guys, they don't. Yeah, this is not acting for neither of them is particularly strong, at least in this film. And well, I, and I think the characters are supposed to they're supposed to be goofy, but it's not. They're not entertaining. No, like, I feel like they... They're just kind of annoying. I mean, what what they do, the way they're written is they argue with each other 
in such a way that they adopt opposite viewpoints back and forth until they settle on one person's side. And it's just whoever spoke last, it seems. Yeah, it's, 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 it's they're oddly written. They are. and it, it really is people who tried to make comedy characters without the comedy. And they are the characters that both change the most and the least over the course of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's so... Like, re- all the... The way they're dressed and the way they behave, I'd almost expect them to be a straight rip-off of Pesci and Stern from Home Alone. Yeah. Because you've got one who's sharp-dressed but but sleazy-looking. He's clearly, like, a wise guy type of guy. And then you've got the taller, clearly less well-put-together, idiotic one. But they are both idiots. It's just one smarter than the other. But they don't do that. They just bicker. Yeah. <laughs> they just bicker and sometimes, like, fail to do a thing. <sighs> so Daisy finds a phone. The shit. Conrad. Well, they, well and they're... And, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Spike and Iggy, because there are other things. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a point where I, I really have to bring something up. You're we'll like, what? Yeah, yeah. I think I know. I think I think we're on the same well, page there. There's several, but uh, but, but so, moving on. So Daisy finds a phone, uh, but it's in use by Luigi, who's checking messages for possible work while Mario fixes their overheated yeah. truck. Luigi, See, by the way, we should point out, is the star of this film. He doesn't get the the like the end fight. He's not really involved because they 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 do you know pay nominal tribute to Mario, and, and Mario is ostensibly the lead of this film. But any humanizing aspect and the romantic involvement and and pretty much, like, like everything's delivered for Luigi. Yeah, all of the things you would normally give the, the hero of a film, uh, they gave to Luigi. Yeah, if and, anything. And gave, and gave almost none of it. To Mario, except yeah. for, you know, uh, a little bit of resistance. Like Mario, not not to compare this too much to the work of, of George Miller, but he's kind of like Mad Max. <laughs> in that his, his name is leading the film, and he is the protagonist on paper. But he's there mostly to react to everybody else's story. He's there to he's there to uh, nudge Luigi along his character path. Yeah, he's, he's the he's a facilitator. Yeah, he 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 lets the action happen, and he does he he gets involved in the fighting. But he's he's Mad Max. He's he's not the the leader of the story. The story's not about him. It's about no. Luigi. <laughs> it's about a John Wegazamo Luigi. <laughs> I mean, at least at least they made her Daisy and not Princess Peach, because that would have yeah. just been super weird. That would have been weird. Yeah, that um, would have... I say that as if that that would have been the weirdest thing that yeah. the film does. Like, no, that, that, by that point, that would have just been... Actually, now that I think about it, it's weird that it's not Princess Peach. A little bit, because she's supposed to be the Princess of the Mushroom well, not, Kingdom. Well, not just that. It's because what they've done with pairing Luigi and Daisy is is consistent. Yes. And that's weird for this film. <laughs> it should have been Peach because that makes no sense. And uh, along therefore with would have made sense else. within the context right. of this film. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was kind of curious. and we, I, Well, we'll get to it in just a second. So, um, 
this is Luigi lays eyes on Daisy for the first time here and sees, yeah. you know, he's entranced by her beauty and sees her need for the phone. So he just ignores this message with urgent work at a department store and hands her the, the receiver. Yeah. And I should point out, possibly because this film is, even though it's skewing adult, is still maybe aimed at children? I don't maybe? know who this is aimed I, at, honestly. I don't know who it's for. There's so but, much... It's like, the violence in this is graphic enough. Yeah. And I know it was it was a simpler time. But the, like, it was a simpler time. It was before Tori Amos fucked everything up. Right. Um, but I don't remember films being targeted at a generally youth audience being this violent. No, no. It was, it was remarkably violent. But it was also an age of... Uh, uh, again, like like eighties and nineties, um, there was a lot of cross promotion between things aimed at children and dark, violent stuff, or stuff that shouldn't be aimed at kids. Uh, I'm thinking about like Gremlins Two: The New Batch, which is a horrifically violent film well, and full think... of incredibly suggestive material. But it's it's a cartoon. Well, the original Gremlins was. Really, not a kids' movie. No, the original was not a kids' film, but the second one was this bizarre crossbreed between a film for adults and a film for children. Well, yeah, because fucking Gizmo toys sold out like hell. Absolutely, and that that's that's where I was leading. Was this was an era where Little Shop of Horrors had a cartoon spin-off for children. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I used to watch that all the time. Fucking Toxic Avenger had a cartoon. <laughs> and if you've watched any trauma movie, you should know how fucked up that idea is. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking right now on, on in my office. I've got a shelf that has the, the Kenna Aliens toys on them that mm-hmm. were for children. And there was going to be an, a kid's cartoon show of aliens at one point. Uh, there was a lot of that. like Like just this idea that children's and adults entertainment kind of went hand in hand it was an odd time for that and well, the merchandising was all for kids but the products that you know, the properties that they were yes marketing yes. were all for adults yeah. yeah there was a robocop cartoon and toys terminator toys terminator toys we had a battle damaged schwarzenegger in our house it was children. It was a. It was an odd time, and it, you don't see that so much now because the the toys they make for adult properties are aimed at adults. Well, and you know they realize they could make a lot of money from nerds like me. And it's all superhero stuff now, anyway. That's so. true. And 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 a lot of that's all ages anyway. Generally, yeah. You know, PG thirteen at least, uh, or at most. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, this all this isn't really aimed at anyone. Uh, but the point I was trying to make was was. Like a lot of stuff, uh, especially with this weird, amorphous, nondescript audience, physically very violent, but language and themes very sanitized, very family friendly. Uh, and the point I was trying to make here is that at no point is it really evidence that Luigi wants to fuck Daisy. <laughs> they go straight is, to love. He is so pure. Yeah, it goes straight to a romantic relationship between them to the point where I was way more creeped out than I would have been if he just wanted to bone down. He's just lily white. Like, yeah. you get the impression... Like, uh, he's, he's like an anomaly. You gotta, uh, you gotta recognize <laughs> that this character is conceivably, 
in his early 20s in 19 or in, in 1993, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, you'd set him at early 20s, right? Sounds about right. Yeah, okay. that works. Okay. It's around that age. Right. That means that he had spent his formative years and we know we we learned that he grew up in Brooklyn. Yep. He spent his formative years in Brooklyn during the decade of the 1970s. No. <laughs> no. No. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. <laughs> like, um, but, who but the, the other fuck con- are you kidding? The other confusing thing is the swiftness with which Daisy um, is reciprocating. Yeah. It's not like, I mean, you know, she has to catch up to his creepy level. But they rush a love story between them and, like, they tease, the, they do, you know, the classic almost kiss tease. They do that so quick in this film. Yeah. Because like it's they, like they're immediately quickly, smitten with each other. Yeah, let's quickly establish a romantic involvement between these two because movies have those. And, but and you then know what? Move on with the way that they have written Luigi. That works for me. I could totally see this character getting so swept up. Yeah, you know, at the batting but, of eyelashes. But a, a movie that actually like makes sense would have Daisy not responding to that. Like, like fighting it for most of the film and, and maybe sort of being won over in the end. Right, but she's right there along with she's him the She's on way. board. Yeah. She's into it. Yeah, it's so... it's weird considering how, like, suggestive some scenes later on in the film are with the nightclub, with, with people, like... Basically, it's a strip club. Let's not... Yes! Like, no, there's a full-on, like, that, but... you know, bikini pole dancer... Yeah, like this film will like get sleazy in places, but but has to present the the what what the protagonists have as as pure and, and unblemished by sinful lusts. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. So yeah. uh, after she uh, makes her phone call, for which he provides the quarter also. So yeah, after just... after Mario says they don't have any money, so it, it shows you that he's willing to. Th- so basically, gamble his family business away N- for not sex, right? For whatever it is he wants it. So she she makes her call, and after you know she calls, she comes over to Mario and Luigi and thanks Luigi for the call because basically he facilitated the entire thing. And then Luigi just goes and offers her a ride in their van, which uh, creepy. Yeah, right. That's that's a little. Yeah, but she's she's into it, like she's down, and uh, That's it, because they they didn't want to waste time no. with character arcs or development or like anyone changing uh, in any significant way outside of like fantastical science fiction brain changes, which we'll get to. Um, but no, no one to act, no one wants to actually learn anything in this film or grow as a character. So it's like, no, we go from naught to a hundred on the. Here's the romantic subplot. And so they, they drive her back to the uh, dig site that she's working at. And after some prodding from Mario, Luigi awkwardly invites Daisy to dinner. And over dinner conversation, we get to learn a whole lot of plot. Because she takes him up on it. Yes. Which, that you know, why not? <laughs> I mean, at this point, why not? Uh, we learn that the... Uh, the construction project that Scapelli's doing unearthed some iridium along with the fossils. 
and Daisy's research team thinks that it might be the meteor that wiped out all the dinosaurs on Earth. Uh, and there's this sort of cute exchange to demonstrate how kind of dopey Luigi is, because, you know, there were dinosaurs in Brooklyn. Yeah, like, he, he, he can't imagine yeah, it's a time just... before Brooklyn. He still thinks it's, he still sees the city. He sees the whole of New York, like, 65 million years ago. What a stupid sack of shit. <laughs> um, Mario has a girlfriend. Give his last quarter away for not sex. Mar- Mario has a girlfriend that's there uh, at dinner also named Daniela. I'm curious. Yeah, she's weird I'm, that she's in this. I'm curious why they didn't go with Pauline. Yeah. I, 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 because they, they, they don't know what Donkey Kong is. I suppose, but, um, well, actually, that might have been um, a sore subject, because Nintendo did get sued uh, by the rights holders of King Kong over Donkey Kong at one point, Um, and and they they did win that case, but it it made them somewhat wary of Hollywood, Um, so that could... That could have something to do with it, I that would could say. Have been it. And, well, you know, luckily they had this movie to reinstill their faith and trust in Hollywood. Right. Right. Uh, but, yeah, Daniela, uh, she works at a tanning salon. And she's kind of, I don't know, like, kind of got a My Cousin Vinny <laughs> vibe. The accent is amazing. Yeah. I mean, so's, so's fucking Bob Hoskins. It's oh, my like, God. Like, I, I listen to it, and I'm someone, you know, I've done ludicrous impersonations of Willem Dafoe and another and Danny DeVito and stuff. And even I listen to Bob Hoskins' accent, his Brooklyn accent in this sometimes and think, he's laying that on thick. <laughs> he's he's pronouncing the the uh or sounds incredibly oyishly. <laughs> it is uh it's bold. It's definitely bold. Yeah. And, um, and as is his his girlfriend, whose name I've already forgotten, Daniela. Um, Daniela, because she has some oddly regular role in this film, but I always forget she exists in any scene she's not in. Right. I don't know. I don't know why she's in this film. Um, oh, I, yeah, I do. I do. Oh, I do. But you know. Yeah. 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 They needed an excuse to temporarily separate Mario and Luigi later oh, in the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say something similarly cynical, like you know, they, again, they they need the protagonists to have love interest. But she's a, she, I mean, she's likable enough. She's she's fine. She's fine. She's just her role in the film serves no purpose outside of as you yeah. say, like, like the purely mechanical. And a better film probably just wouldn't have done that. They'd have found better content or come up with a better reason. At the same for time, you know, a girlfriend like, for her performance is good. Uh, in you know, like I know she's laying it on thick, but I, you know, it's a little comical in that sense, and I, I kind of like it. I, I like her, and and I think hey, that, I don't I don't dislike her. No, I just, I just think, it, I'm, she's I such think, a non-entity to me in the film. And yet, absent her, I think the film would be worse. <laughs> Right? Possibly. It's yeah. this unnecessary but good thing that, like, at least softens the blow of some of the stuff that really sucks or mm-hmm. isn't very good or confusing or, or poorly constructed. At least in its poor construction here, we get something that's a bright spot. Um, By the way, um, 
my timestamp, it'll, it'll be different when in the final um, release, but my timestamp has us talking uh, almost 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I've given up hope that we're ever going to get these truncated to where they should be. But we should move it right along. We should move it on, but I'm. let's just say I'm not holding out hope that this isn't... Yeah, I already had people complaining on the face, like the unofficial, one of the, the Jim Sterling groups that pop up, um, like rats, um, complaining at the idea that we might cut these down. Go <laughs> find hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I like that you appreciate uh, yeah, you hearing know, our I, voices for that long, but god damn, like two hours? I don't want to spend two hours talking about Mario, listeners. And yet, but yet we do it. It's, it. It happens. That's the thing. It happens yeah. so easily. Well, you know, a, a, someone who knew what they were doing would like go through and edit the two hours into a good like, like hour, maybe. Maybe. Like, that's what professional podcasters do. But that's not but, us. That's not us, and I know, and and I know some of our listeners, at least the very vocal ones, would get upset at the idea that I'd leave that much off the table. Oh, so I'm just going to spin it as generosity, not laziness. There you go. So, uh, Daisy also reveals that she was abandoned as a child, and the stone around her neck is the only thing that was left with her. And coincidentally, Luigi has no knowledge of his parents either. He was raised by Mario. Yeah. Uh, Mario and Luigi. That might explain his view of the world, because what brother wants to, like, inform his brother about, like, sex and stuff? Maybe maybe Mario, out of social awkwardness... Just never gave him the birds and bees. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How would you deal with the... the urges? Like, would he just discover masturbation and, and think that's normal and that'd be that? Maybe he just, like, programmed him, like, early on to not think about that kind of stuff. He's been slipping saltpeter in his food for... <laughs> for decades. Yeah, just, just, I've got to, I've got to keep, the, I've got to keep him pure. <sighs> so, Mario and Luigi part ways to take their respective dates home. Now, the sleazy guys, and we learned that they're named Iggy and Spike here, uh, they watch Mario leave... And come to the inexplicable conclusion that Daniela is Daisy in disguise and decide to follow them, uh, kidnapping Daniela after Mario leaves. On the back, on the walk back to Daisy's place, Luigi and Daisy both offer each other an out on this relationship that they're starting. They then decide to go check out the dig site she's working instead. And while they're admiring a dinosaur skeleton that has opposable thumbs, they take a moment to admire each other. Uh, but are interrupted by a couple of Scapelli's employees sabotaging the dig by flooding it, uh, opening up some pipes. Uh, Also, another subplot that didn't really serve a a grand purpose. No, it not, but it... Like, it's got some function. Well, it gave gave, uh, a villain for Mario. And the thing that I love about Scapelli and the Scapelli subplot is that throughout, through the course of the story... Mario's actual nemesis is defeated, but yeah. has nothing to do with Mario. Yep. It cracks me up. Um, so, yeah, the uh, Luigi goes and gets Mario to help fix the pipes, and they, they set to working on that. And then Izzy and Spike appear again, realizing that they've kidnapped the wrong person for, like, the fifth time. 
Uh, and they attack the brothers and abduct Daisy. Mario and Luigi follow her voice to a rock well, a wa- rock wall somewhere in caverns opened up by the construction, only to discover it's apparently some kind of portal between dimensions. Uh, and Daisy's face comes through to cry for help, and Luigi accidentally swipes the crystal from her neck in the process of that kind of nightmarish vision. And so Luigi, being the impulsive believer that he is, see, this is the character distinction between Luigi and Mario. Luigi is impulsive, Mario is very cautious. This Uh, is in direct contrast to their video game counterparts, by the way. Yeah. Where Luigi is famously the... The paranoid warrior. the cowardly one, yeah. Yeah. who, Who doesn't throw himself into danger where Mario will be reckless. It's like they went out of their way to fuck it up. Uh, and so he, Luigi just jumps in, and, and Mario sort of falls in after some hesitation. Do you and think it's just because they thought, like, they looked at, like, the the actual Mario that, that there is in games, and just thought, we can't have a fat old man starring <laughs> in our film? Well, it seems almost like it's like, why is this guy so adventurous? This doesn't make sense. And it doesn't. But yeah. Then again, raised by your brother, not allowed to have sex. Like I'd yeah. probably jump through portals as well, just for something to do. Why? Yeah. Why? Why not? Like get yeah. away from my tyrannical <laughs> Norman Bates mother brother. <laughs> um, they chase after Iggy, Iggy and Spike, uh, emerging from tunnels into a bustling city, and it takes them a moment to realize that they're not in the New York that they recognize anymore. Uh, they they see Daisy being put into a cab, uh, but they're powerless to rescue her. Now, this is the first time we get to sort of see uh, Dino Hatton, um, which is this alternate dimension ruled by reptiles uh, city. Yeah. Uh, based, obviously, on Manhattan. And it's, it's interesting. If uh, you watch Double Dragon, when we covered that earlier... There's a lot of comparisons you could draw um, yeah. between the design of this. Or if you you know followed my urgent advice and watched Max Headroom, you can totally <laughs> see the visual influence. Of- like Double Dragon, like this is a film that put in like effort in weird places. Yes, like there are important things important to movies that this film doesn't bother with. And then there are things like, you know, making a believable, incredibly, like, visually rich Dino Hatton. Yes. I mean, like, and it's the filled with reference. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can hear, like, chimes and music and visual things that are all culled from the games. Yeah. These weird background details. Like, they... Like it's, it, it is genuinely impressive, the set and the people and the costumes. Oh my god, yes. Like, the costuming in this film is incredible. Incredible. And, and that's yeah. where the effort went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, King Koopa is observing the, star, the sorry state of the city with his consort, Lena... And uh, this is our. She's, she's fantastic our... in this, by the way. Lena. Yes. Yes, she's amazing. She's also our Pixels connection. Oh yes. She played the Prime Minister she of England that minister. you so loathed. 
in yeah. pixels. She plays uh, the aunt in Harry Potter as well. Yes, she does. The Dursley. Uh, um, she, she, she's a fantastic actress. Yes, she is and delightful. She, she was really good in this. And yes, yeah, I think she's a bright spot here in this film. Yeah. Um, also, let's just get this out of the way. Because it's it's obvious and gonna be pointed out, and I don't want to talk about it too much. But Dennis Hopper's Cooper is is basically Donald Trump. Yeah, to a point where it's sort of scary. I didn't realize. You know, it's like, like yeah, because you've got like the the suit and the hair, and it's not Donald Trump's hair, but it's the same color, and it's. It's fucked up like his hair. And the, the tyrannical attitude. Oh, yeah. And and just the, like, Popper's performance almost. Like, I wouldn't be shocked, because, you know, Trump was a, a big deal back then as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he was quite part, literally Yeah, part of the inspiration. On, yeah. Like, like, the mannerisms. Hopper's mannerisms are very Trumpish. And when we get to the point where later in the film, not, not much later from here... Um, a musician who sings a song critical of Trump is arrested. I even just said Trump. I meant critical of Cooper is arrested. Yeah. As on the the money as this film is with regards (laughs) to Cooper being Trump, that paints a dim picture of the next couple of years. This is is actually um, a near future setting. This is where we're headed. We're headed to Dino Hatton. If Twitter was around when this film was being made, then Cooper would be spending most of it, like, most of his time on Twitter criticizing. He put his name on the biggest buildings. He does. (laughs) I mean, there were even posters saying vote Cooper all over Dino Hatton. Right, yeah. Well, he is, he's president at this point. Yeah. And he's also racist. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hates mammals. Hates mammals. Uh, uh, he reveals his plan to merge the two dimensions so that he may conquer the humans and gain access to their natural resources. So I guess when the dimensions got split, we got everything and they got to be dinosaurs? Pretty much. That seems because, to be the implication. Well, because the thing that's fascinating to me about this is that they have no natural resources. Uh, that's, that's what's established. And it's not that they ruined their planet. And that's key. Because you look at this, you know, this city, and everything's on electric cars. Yeah. Like, they are environmentally way ahead in terms of, you know, their infrastructure designed yeah. to... Well, they've got, they've got no fossil fuels to burn, no natural gases to use up. Right, because they survived. Yeah, somehow, with no water... Yeah, that is, that's also a problem. But it is kind of fascinating to think that they never wound up with oil. Yeah, they because never wound up with oil. They didn't wind up with oil because they survived as a race. <laughs> because somehow, <laughs> somehow the dinosaurs, who at that point in time, you know, famously had the brains the size of peas and everything, were animals, not intelligent got transported to a desert planet that was just a desert and somehow, somehow acquired metal, fabric for clothes, fabulous clothes, the means to produce music, electricity, food and water, 
and a lot of mushrooms. Uh, I How? I don't know. They were just dinosaurs. Yeah, and and, and it's, it's demonstrated... How did they build one city from nothing? And if they were that fucking good, why is the rest of the planet, after so many millions of years, still a desert? It is. It, he has a globe. <laughs> and it's just got the city on it, sticking up. And, and the, the rest of the planet, which has got to be about the size of Earth... The rest of it outside of a single city is desert. The entire population of this planet, its entire flora and fauna, are here in this one city on a planet-sized desert. How are they alive? Where did they get water? Uh, uh, Opposable thumbs. They had opposable thumbs... Which they were somehow able to evolve over time. Well, no, they they had them already because you know they. Oh no, they did. Yeah. Yeah, the fossil there had. Yeah. We just didn't know it. Yeah. So the opposable thumb is all you need to turn desert into electricity and metal and food and water. At least enough for one city. And not just just one city. Yeah, that's it. You need a whole planet-sized desert to power a single dinosaur-built city that's been made from literally nothing. (laughs) This film doesn't make a lot of sense. And yet, I still love the idea of Dino-Hatton. The idea is sound. It's just so long as you don't think about it at all. And it is, it, is, question. it is a very cool-looking place with really great costuming. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. And like I said. The, the, so, much, so much to love. But, yeah, the allocation I, of effort and resources <laughs> went into making this city look good. And not a single, not a single moment was spent trying to explain how any of the thing that they've richly designed exists and works. Which is why they needed that introduction. Yeah. <clears throat> and even that doesn't cover it. Um, so, he's uh, lamenting the fact that the, uh, the humans wound up with all the good stuff. Uh, and he reveals his plan to conquer the human world, take their natural resources. And to do this, he requires the piece of the meteor that Daisy has... And Daisy herself, which uh, sort of provokes this note of jealous response from Lena, and they like they really do make effort to try and establish her as someone who has worked really hard to get to her position, and and seems to have like a real like like really loves Koopa, it has has yeah. some sort of deep emotional attachment to him that sees her role being eclipsed by this princess that he's obsessed with she's a good character yeah honestly like like i was gonna say the best written character i'd go even further and say the only written character in the film (laughs) yeah the only character they sat down and gave real tangible motivations understandable goals and some sort of progression throughout the film and they made a point to they did make it a point to keep her in it enough to to tell her story. Yeah, someone someone somewhere was invested in her as a character. Yeah. And 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 all the better for it is yeah. is the film. Yes. 
So uh, Iggy and Spike arrive with the news that they've captured Daisy, which thrills Koopa, but he's a little disappointed in their failure to also have returned with the stone. Uh, they mention the plumbers, and he sends out an alert offering a reward for their capture. Uh, Mario and Luigi get mugged by an old woman on the street. Um, that scene, I think, was supposed to be funny. Yeah, it, it's supposed to be funny and also show just how dangerous Dino Hatton is that, hey, even the old women are carrying. Yeah, they're all packing and they'll mug yeah. you. Eh. With, well, yeah, packing a weird cattle prod thing. But, after she steals the stone from around Luigi's neck, she's quickly overpowered by a large woman in a red spiked leather bodysuit. Fucking amazing costume she is so cool uh, she's al- she's also one of the big highlights of the film oh, like, oh in a big way yeah. yeah um and she makes off with the stone on rocket boots yep uh the rocket boots in this movie i love them because they're so dopey they are ludicrous i and- love some replicas i would wear those re- replicas around the house they well they they sort of float you very deliberately to the location to a location where there is not going to be anybody in your path when you land there's quite a lot like like an inordinate amount of screen time dedicated to showing it like like every little bit of it like the the feet and the face of the person doing the jump yeah to the point where you think oh okay they didn't bother like like spending the money or taking the time to film a full body shot of them. Oh, wait, no, there it is. They, yep. they show you every little bit of it. They make you think they're going to do it cheap and just show feet off the ground and a head swaying a bit. To well, show they, they are jumping. like they their show big, everything. They're like their big, the big effect of this film. Yeah, yeah. So, you yeah. know, they needed to show it. And, it's, it, and the thing is, it's a pretty kind of cheesy... It is, but it, again, like, kind of works. It does kind I wanna of I want to say, work. like... There aren't really bad special effects in this film. I just, I, I imagine, I look at how they're, you know, depicted in this film. And then I think about the reality of what would happen if you tried to use rocket-powered jump boots in an environment like that. And I just see the horror of, like, <laughs> landing on people and then taking the next jump and just exploding their torso in a spray of gore as the that's why, blast that's takes why you so up. that's so many people are wearing rubber spikes all over their ass. I bet it is. Just, just some sort form of cushioning when they hit walls. <laughs> it's so strange. Um, then Mario and Luigi get annoyed by a guy with an acoustic guitar who is immediately arrested for singing an anti-Koopa song. Uh, when Mario protests, he and Luigi are recognized as plumbers, um, and they're arrested also. At booking, there's a fun joke about their names being Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Yeah. And Although, for me, the scene where they're being booked um, is, is overshadowed by the fact that the uh, the police chief or... or the booking guess, officer. The booking officer, thank you, um, is there behind his desk while a woman dressed... Um, very seductively, just has her high heel on his shoulder the whole time. <laughs> Why is that? I have no idea, but the the desk jockey how, and how did I miss nebishness. it? Nebishness. Oh, you do? Yeah, like that. That it, it, 
it's the best bit of the film, uh, not the film, the scene, yeah. um, because you've got this nebbish desk jockey looking um, booking officer behind the desk. Right. Um, you know, oh my god, you're right. Prim and yeah, that's, she's just and this, digging her heel into his shoulder yeah. like she's performing some sort of weird massage. Like, like some sort of yeah, like some sort of BDSM massage <laughs> with her high heel. Like it, it's, it's like he's. The, the police force is so corrupt that the booking officer can just indulge in his fetish, um, possibly with a paid mistress there at the job. I I love it because that it's so bizarre. It is, really but it weird. is also really good world building because yeah. it instantly shows you what the police force is like. Huh. So it is both incredibly stupid, and but also kind of brilliant. <sighs> What a weird fucking movie this is. What a weird fucking film this is. Um, so then they're defungist, which is, um, I, I think they're making a, a de-lousing reference. Well, yeah, because they say defungist, and he only, like, he pulls Mario's pants and sprays down onto his genitals. And that's all they do. Right. That's as far as defungist goes. My theory is Dino Hatton suffers major big time from a jock itch problem. <laughs> Well, but you know, that's I mean, the I think, fungus they're getting rid of. I think, and, it, <laughs> and at least Dino Hatton's fighting it. Uh, yeah, and I think the, in the context of of you know the, the plot, it's to keep the king out of the tower. Yeah, um, yeah, there is a plot reason, but but he does only spray Mario's junk. Yeah, well, and then they they douse them in some sort of liquid. That I know, wasn't paying attention at that bit. I was coming up with my great jockage. Ah, gotcha, the time gotcha. I, I, yeah, I saw the spray go down on the nuts. And he continued to move, and then I thought, right, I got this bit locked up. And uh, then they're uh, photographed by rifle-like cameras, and it's this sort of horrifying scene for them. Which is also kind of, in my mind, writes that as like they they arm the they they get these rifles with big glaring uh, spotlights on them, and all aim them at the Mario Brothers, and they think they're going to get shot, and and then the folk it turns out they're cameras shaped like guns. And my mind, my headcanon for that is, like, the cops do that on purpose. Because they just love getting the goofiest, (laughs) shittest-looking shots of of perps that they can. But guns are an integral part of Dino Hatton's society, too. Like, their computers are not operated by mice, they're operated by guns. Yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe they just have a weird obsession with guns in this place. Hmm. 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 So, they get locked in a cell with uh, that annoying singer guy right above them. Uh, And he recounts the story of the meteor separating the two dimensions so that, you know, these characters can be aware of it. And suggests that the fungus growing around Dino Hatton is the de-evolved former king having his revenge. Um, Mario and Luigi are taken to see an attorney, which is actually Koopa, trying to get them to hand over the meteorite piece. Uh-oh. And when they don't deliver it, he, because they don't have it, uh, he takes them to a machine where Toad, the, the music guy, he's Toad, That's by the way. That's who it was! That was Toad. Uh, I like his hair. <laughs> the spiral cut into his hair. Yeah. That amuses me. But it's about to go away now because he's put to a chair and then shoved into a machine that the de-evolves Devo him. chamber. Was that? Uh, the Devo chamber. Yes. It de-evolves him into a simpler form. Basically, it's, 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 it's a head-shrinking machine. Yeah. 
And and so these are the Goombas. Yeah, one of the most famous images from the film, like like shot. Yeah. Like, a lot of times when I'd, I'd see the film talked about in magazines and, and stuff like that at the time, it, it was always shots of the Goombas, uh, who you know did kind of become their own little weirdly iconic part of the film. Like they are, they're visually strong. They've got nothing to do with the actually. If you were to take the Goomba heads in this film and remove the big, bulky, weird bodies they have and just stick a couple of feet under it, you'd get a kind of Hollywood idea of a traditional Goomba. Yeah, it, yeah, they, they, Hollywood Godzilla version of a Goomba. Yeah. Yeah, like you'd, you, you'd recognize it. Instead, they get a head that's a bit Goomba-ish. Except the ones who have snake heads, because they're there as well. Well, they're all, you know, their heads are, just their heads are being de-evolved. Well, their bodies seem to get bulky as well. Yeah, they do seem to get bigger. Well, you know, maybe that's kind of like, you know, with eunuchs. You know, they, they, they you would... think the, the, the rest of it sort of, uh, the rest of the, the body compensates. Right, yeah. Yeah, like Daredevil. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, there you go. Daredevil lost his sight, um, then was <laughs> then really got his sight. hearing. Yeah, and then basically the has sight. Basically, basically, it's a bit orange. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's kind of what we're, what we're seeing with the Goombas. I mean... Then again, this film has a very tenuous grasp of biology and evolution to begin with, so I don't... Right. Any any similarities between how biology works in this film and how it works... How it works <laughs> is purely coincidental. But this is the technique that Koopa's been using to create docile servants. Um, yes. Incredibly stupid docile servants, which seems to be, and turns out to be, a colossal oversight. <laughs> but uh, they do have great heavy red suit things that they all wear. And yes, he's, uh, Toad emerges with his tiny little reptile head, and he's given a harmonica by the other Koopas, or the, I mean, yeah, the other um, Goombas that he's uh, yeah. moved into group with. And Koopa threatens to do the same thing to Mario and Luigi, but they very easily sort of overpower the guards... Like, I don't know. I don't understand how that happened, but they're just attacked and throw Koopa into the machine. Yeah, the film needs them to escape, so they escape. So they escape. Yeah, they toss Koopa into the chair and shove him into the machine. He's briefly affected by it, and so we get to see his his eye, you know, go lizardy for a second to indicate, I guess, that he's become more primal. Yeah, I, I think the idea was to. I think at one point. The idea was to have him, like, maybe slowly lose his grip throughout yeah. the course of the film. Uh, of course, that would have required writing, so they didn't bother. Well, no, uh, I, think this, in... I, I think this is a movie that, in many ways, it suffers from being overwritten. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, going back to effort being put in the wrong places, there are so many subplots in this film. Mm-hmm. They, tr- they kickstart so many subplots, um, some of which never go anywhere. Or have a point, but but yeah, there, there are lots of attempted plots and lots of teased plots. Um, there is it is overwritten, but underwritten at the same time. Yeah, well, none, uh, of it, none of it connects particularly none. well. As a result, I think of of too many cooks. Yes, absolutely. Uh, There's a lot of meddling that went on with this film. I don't know if anyone could tell. Yeah. Um. So they do escape. Luigi pauses to admire the fungus 
which is apparently in the building in places. Yeah, and and to uh, again to the film's credit, and and speaking of the the weird effort they put into odd places, that fungus looks great. Like it looks proper gross. Mm-hmm. It they put it like all over the place in this city, and it's always present, which again speaks to someone who knew what they were doing. Yes, like there's real mise en scène in this film. The fungus is a constant presence. It's often in the background, but it's there, and it's suitably alarmingly gross enough to where it is, even if you're not paying attention to it, it's, it's, in, it's in the back of your mind. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't avoid it at any point once they're in the Mushroom Kingdom, so to speak. If this film wasn't based on Mario and was competently structured, this would have been an incredible film. It would have been fascinating. Yeah, I know. There's enough, there is enough going on. This that has... shows that that there were people who knew what they were doing, and if 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 they could have just been allowed to get on with it, they could have made something fascinating. It, 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 and it became a film that would only have any hope of success on the basis that it was connected to Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's that's kind of the tragedy. Um, so he's he's paying attention to the fungus, but uh, Luigi gets dragged away by Mario before he can take up a bomb that's dangling from it. And then they ride a, a rail thing across the jail and then steal a police car and they chase through the city until they get their pursuers to destroy each other. And then they take, I guess, their local equivalent of the Brooklyn Tunnel. Um, yeah. The tunnel's incomplete. They drive helplessly out the end, saved only by a, a big mass of fungus that catches the car. Um, and then Mario tries to say he's a good driver. And that that's what saved them. It's a weird scene. Uh, Iggy and Spike report to Koopa that the plumbers have escaped to the desert. And Koopa orders that the princess be brought to him while he finishes enjoying his mud bath. Um, this, this is one of a few scenes that seem in the film explicitly for the purpose of letting Dennis Hopper act. Yes, there are several scenes like that, yeah. And, I mean, I don't mind... I, I like a good, creepy Dennis Hopper. He gets to be good and creepy in the mud bath. Um, it also gives it a little opportunity to sort of reinforce that Lena-Koopa relationship and her feelings about Daisy. Uh, yeah, I like, <clears throat> I like these scenes. I like Dennis Hopper in this role. Miserable as he must have been. Yeah. He's... Again, like, like Bob Hoskins, like, it, it doesn't show. No. He does a, he a genuinely, fine job. He's putting his... I mean, he's been in worse shit than this, the, and he still always puts the effort in. The Zane effect is strong yeah, in this absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Yeah. These people care, and these were people who cared about their careers at this time, too, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, they all had something at stake. Leguizamo was, this was early enough in his career mm-hmm. that it was a real breakout opportunity for him. Uh, Hoskins was bankable, not hugely bankable, but dependable and, and a profitable star. Tom Hanks was also uh, attached to this project to play Mario at one point. Ah! And, this, and, and this was at the point where he had had a run of not great films. It was right before he would go and do Sleepless in Seattle. Right. And um, I think Philadelphia after that. Or, or something else, but he did like four films in a row. Uh, two of them made him the most ba- most uh, profitable film 
star in the industry, and then the next two got him Academy Awards. Yeah. So, how dodged a bullet. Could have been, yeah. Yeah. Um. So where was it? Oh yes. Um. Iggy and Spike are sent off to the uh, de-evolution machine. Uh, but Koopa uses it to increase their intelligence, so that they're less likely to fail him. It's like, it's like he just figured out, like, I, I guess I, I understand the point of view as a dictatorial leader, that you wouldn't want the people under you to possibly be smarter than you are, because yeah. then they might get ideas, which is sort of what happens, maybe? Maybe. I mean, but I'll tell you my big problem with this this whole this new subplot. Yes, please. <laughs> to add to the pile, so Iggy and Spike are put in the Devo chamber, which it turns out can also be an Evo chamber. Yes. Um, which there's no indication that like Cooper or or no one has used it to gain super intelligence or anything. Which wouldn't that be the first thing you did? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but he uses it to make two stupid people less stupid. Um, and that's portrayed in this film in the laziest, sloppiest fucking way possible. Well, because it doesn't... They don't... They don't... They don't demonstrate them smarter. as being more intelligent. They demonstrate them as being more educated. They, they give them some words with some extra syllables and also change the way they speak because that happens as well. Because obviously your accent gets a bit more refined and posh. They can now and do advanced uh, math in their head. Yes. Um, it's not even advanced math, it's square root, but still. Intelligence, by the way, um, does not affect your sense of etiquette. <laughs> your, you know, uh, I mean, it informs parts of your personality, sure, but it's not going to totally change you into Jeeves from Jeeves and Worcester, which is what they become at this point. Yes. And it's all superficial. Like, yeah. they don't, they, you know, they're they not actually like, any smarter. Well, no, no. They, they still make the same stupid goddamn sorts of decisions that you would expect them to make. Yeah, they just use words that the writers looked up in a thesaurus <laughs> and use the word logical because we know that smart characters in films say the word logical because we've all seen Spark. That what what I figured when I watched it um, today, I was looking at these two characters being written as smart now. Mm-hmm. And I realised the problem was whoever wrote the dialogue for these characters wasn't smart. <laughs> and that's the only explanation I have, was these two hyper-intelligent characters were written by someone Who of thinks mediocre that, intelligence. That polysyllabic word use is what people associate with intellect. Yeah, like it's the most bottom-of-the-barrel, uh, low-hanging fruit idea of a smart character. Because in order to write a genuinely smart character, you've actually got to know stuff yourself. And I don't think that that happened with who wrote, whoever did these two characters. Uh, you, can't, you can't write smart if you're not smart. Because uh, you've got to be smart to make them smart. So Iggy and Spike are sent off to the desert after the Mario Brothers to yeah. retrieve the stone. Uh, Lena goes to find Daisy among the kidnapped women of Brooklyn and reveals her status to them as a princess. Um, and to her. I mean, she didn't know. Yeah. Uh, this is a whole, no- a whole nother plot. Yep. 
And and Lena has Daisy dress up in some of her mother's old clothes and explains that Mommy Dearest ran off with the meteorite to pre- prevent Koopa from achieving his goals and that Koopa believes only Daisy can merge the universes. And Daisy is then brought to a room to await Koopa and encounters a dinosaur that Koopa explains was a royal pet and is named Yoshi. So there's another, Yoshi. Another quite famous effect of yes. everything from, the, uh, from this film, because it was really good. Yeah. Yoshi looks incredible. I think he does. Yeah, he does look great. And I've, you know, I've heard, I remember hearing at the time people like, why did they design it like that? And it was like, because it looks cool. Yeah. That's why. Plus, did this come out before Jurassic Park? I think it has to have been after. Because if it was after, then yeah, that also explains why Yoshi looks the way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure when Jurassic Park came out, but I'm. I'm looking it up right now, and uh, oh my gosh, it was close. Yeah. Yeah, because that came out in June of '93, and it came out just a few months after Super Mario Brothers did. Oh well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, it, obviously, everyone knew it was done. Yeah. But Plus, of course, I mean, you know, dinosaurs um, are always, but again, I want to say, especially at that time, um, very bankable. Yeah. That money spends well. So, yeah, it's obvious that, that Yoshi looks the way Yoshi looks for, I, I would say, money reasons. Yeah, I, I would say. Pop culture banking reasons. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Daisy asks about her father, uh, seeming to know that, you know, now knowing that Koopa knows something about her, and Koopa sort of lecherously reveals to Daisy her reptilian ancestry. And this is, again, a great Dennis Hopper being sleazy as fuck scene. This is what Dennis Hopper do. And and it's creepy. And And another instance of... How adult is this film intended to be? <laughs> yeah, because this is a film in which, you know, the old woman who's robbing the Mario brothers, like, calls them jerks in a way that is so incongruous with, with what she's doing and her personality that, you know, she should not be using the word jerk. Uh, but they don't want to push the language. Right. But they will have scenes of lechery and violence and strippers and... and 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 f- fetish dominatrices in the fucking police station. Uh, it's God. Who was this film for? <laughs> um, and then and then he has Toad put Daisy back with the other ladies, uh, the Toad Goomba, and uh, gives Yoshi a smack for good measure, just to prove that he's a dick, you know, and he hates puppies. As it calls him a throwback. Yeah. Iggy and Spike do locate Mario in the desert, and they wreck their vehicle. And are easily captured. Because they're still yeah. incompetent. They're still incompetent because your intelligence doesn't rule common sense. Apparently. Uh, yeah. I, and again, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that's what the movie writers thought. No. I thought they just still needed comedy sidekick henchmen. Right. And just kept them that way. Just, they speak a bit polite now, and that's funny. So Iggy and Spike demand the meteorite piece... While Luigi demands Daisy, and nobody really has what the other wants, um, Mario gets told about Koopa's plan to merge the universes and the requirement of the missing piece of the meteorite, so he gets fully caught up on the plot. And he learns that the passage between the worlds was reopened by Scapelli's construction project. So the four agree to team up 
to reacquire the meteorite from the woman who stole it earlier. Um, and then afterwards, they will go to retrieve Daisy from the tower. Um, now, something happens between this point in the film where they make this sort of agreement yep. and a couple scenes from now. Just, just bear in mind that this is the tenor of their agreement at this point. They are not allies. It's an uneasy alliance. Right. It's supposed to be. Right. They are, are both, you know, they're both getting something that they want out of it. And, and it would be totally in character and normal. Like, this is a bad deal for, for the Mario Bros. Right? Yeah. Like, they agree to go do the thing that the bad guys want in exchange for the bad guys then doing the thing that they want. Which, why would they not just screw you? How they got the intelligence to do it, allegedly. Yes, exactly. They, that, that, that should have occurred to Spike and Iggy. So, okay, whatever. Um, Daisy pets Yoshi to fill some screen time and set up justification for his later help. Mario and Luigi hijack a trash truck to sneak back into the city with Iggy and Spike. And then they head to the Boom Boom Bar, uh, where they are recognized by the hat check woman who calls in to Koopa to let them know that she's seen the plumbers. Iggy and Spike then proceed to get drunk and slag off Koopa for seemingly no reason. Now, maybe there was a, a scene that was cut or trimmed that sort of demonstrates Iggy and Spike, because of their increased intelligence now, realizing that Koopa's choices are not necessarily positive for yeah. Dino well, Society? I, again, this is a film that, and I've talked about this on, in other films we've covered, it relies on you already knowing certain movie-making tropes, certain narrative tropes. The idea that some downtrodden henchperson gets knowledge or, or you know, some sort of intellectual boost or perspective that allows them to see that they're actually being mistreated. It's an established idea. But, the they, they, but they skip. They, but they skip, skip the whole demonstration yes, of that happening. Because, and for us to understand it, we have to have already seen other films or read other books or just been exposed to other media where a hench person has turned on their villainous cruel master. And, 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 you know, and as established in the prior scene, like they are in the position to betray them. And get, mm -hmm. a, get everything they want and continue to be evil. So there's really no justification for this. There isn't, other than the fact that other films have done it. It's yes. the same as the, the Luigi and the Daisy romance. Other films have this stuff. They hit these certain beats. Doesn't matter how you reach those beats. Just, just reach them. So Mario spots Bertha and attempts to use his charms on her. And she punches him. But undeterred, he joins her on the dance floor, uh, encourages her to hit him more, uh, prompting her to invite him to dance, and there's this just delightful dance sequence. I love the dance scene. It is genuinely a well-done scene. It's fun. It's comical. Yeah, you got Bob Hoskins at this point dressed in this bright yellow 
bright yellow swinger suit yes. almost. That, like, that he's borrowed from, from either Iggy or Spike. Yeah, that, was, was it like his Iggy's ex-wife, I think? Yeah, from they Iggy's, ex-wife Iggy's ex-wife's clothes. Yeah. And, and it's th- this yellow suit that's just slightly, not enough, slightly too small for him. And he is awkwardly dancing with this, you know, huge, red-spiked, intimidating woman. And at the same time trying to get the rock that she's wearing around her neck. And successfully seducing her in the process, right? Yes, like she's into it because because she hit him so many times. Yes, and... and <laughs> A great scene! And she is... Graceful! And yeah. They, like, they are... Yeah, I mean, one thing to point out, like, she is a big woman. She is, she's, she's a... There are no jokes made at the expense of that. No, like, no. Like, she's awesome yeah. in this film. Yeah, she's, she is empowered. She's sexy. And and, and... and really good on the dance floor. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I love this portrayal. I love this character yeah. and that, that she's there. Um, it's a shame that because she is a, a red spike wearing bloke punching woman probably not going to make it into mario canon doesn't quite fit no yeah this this sort of sexually energetic sadistic well she's got to be you know the representation of like a spiny yeah yeah maybe like that's that's kind of what i see i don't know if she's the you know, if it's a, a spiny spikes. egg suit, or, or you know, or or the spiny itself, but yeah, yeah. But either way, this scene's great. Yeah, it's he's trying to he's trying to get the um, the rock with his mouth, but from, the rock kind of goes between her boobs, and he's like just in a in a in her boobs, just, just ah, like biting at it, trying to get it, and then she snaps him up in the dance, and he's still got it in his mouth, and then he drops it, but she doesn't really pay attention to that, because she's into the dance. And like, the, it's the so spins, well and oh, it's, it's just, it's really cute, and I, 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 I love them so much, and they make such a great little pairing. Um, yeah. He does eventually uh, retrieve the meteorite piece, um... And then everybody walks the dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a cover. This is not the original version of the no, song. No. Well, because it's a different dimension. This is a dimension that has no oil or water, but it has a cover of Rock the Dinosaur. Well, it's it's not... Uh, it, so it's not Wayne, uh, Wayne O. Way, uh, who did the original version, but it's George Clinton. And it's kind of interesting that it's really hard to tell the difference like, they produced a pretty similar version of it. A little, you know, yeah, bumped yeah. up a bit. Um, no, to be honest, it should have been like like Walk the Chimpanzee. Yes. Something like that. Yes. Like, like, well, like there, there's at one point a film theater marquee that says, uh, I was a teenage mammal. You know, yes. So, like, they make those kinds of references... I agree, it should have been that. But what, what's also interesting is that the lyrics in this particular cover of uh, Walk the Dinosaur were changed. Um, Walk the Dinosaur is a song about nuclear Armageddon. I, I, I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, if, if you've heard the song, if you've seen the music video, 
and that seems weird to you, you're right. That's fucking weird. Um, but it just be- it became a dance hit. The, yeah. the song was is, is a the end. There's a Not reference the to two silver trees, and that's a mushroom cloud. Yeah, literally. It's, it's not the first time that um, you know uh, a song has had its lyrical meaning ignored in favor of a catchy beat, dude. Well, no, but so they but they change the lyrics at the end because it, yeah. in, in the in the closing of the song it changes to kill the dinosaur, uh, and so that's really I think the only change in the lyrics. So everything else is kept in. It's very odd, uh, but a fun fun little cover. It's not. I like George Clinton, so that that's easy. Uh, everybody walks the dinosaur for a bit. Lena arrives with a some Goombas, and Mario loses the stone he just worked so hard to get, playing a game of keep away with Luigi. Uh, Spike and Iggy get arrested for their anti-Koopa sentiment, and Mario and Luigi are ushered into a back room by Bertha, who tells them how to escape with rocket boots, and then lays a big old kiss on Mario before they go. And again, she's just amazing in this seat. Even, like, the sort of weird, like, one-finger salute thing that she does <laughs> right at the end. Yeah, she just has the just to give her a big damn hero moment. Like, she just, she just gets it, and it's, it's fun. I also appreciated that they showed her reacting to the shattering glass as they use the rocket boots to blast out. Uh, they cut back to her, like, shielding her eyes from the glass, but still wanting to look up and see them go. Nice touch. Yeah. Um, Luigi spots another bob in the fungus while they're fleeing and actually takes it this time. And then the pair are briefly pinned between cops and Goombas, but escape in the back of another trash truck, which is on his way to Koopa Tower. What a coincidence. Koopa has a moment of gloating around the fungus that was the former king, and then a little bit later he orders a pizza. But for the purpose of, of describing the plot, we're gonna shuffle around some of the order here. Um, arriving at the tower, Mario and Luigi find the heating system and shut it down to freeze out the lizards, and then they change into some hideous jumpsuits and board an elevator. What do you think of these these costumes? I mean, it's not as good as Street Fighter 2, did it? No. That worked really hard to get everyone into their costumes. Yeah. This was just, let's get some, let's just get some fucking overalls and whack it on these chumps. Yeah, yeah, it's... I mean, and it they're not great. They're really not great costumes. And it isn't even all that different from, like, it's it's exactly how uh, is it Balrog gets his um, yes boxing just gloves in Street Fighter. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And what I like about that is it's very important for this film <laughs> that they to... that they look like Mario and Luigi. No, 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 no. It's very important to this film to have very wonderfully dressed, realized, vivid background characters in Dino Hatton. (laughs) The iconic costume of your main protagonists? You can cut corners there. Yeah, fuck it. But I really want some cool looking boots on that stripper in the background of the Boom Boom Club. (laughs) This this film is really... Because the costume... it's attention because... to detail at the sacrifice of the bigger picture. It's, it is uh, definitely an example of not seeing the forest for the trees. Yeah, yeah, you've got, like, because like, for most of this film, costumes are incredible. Yeah. The costumes of the average background character 
looks like like not not quite fifth element but like edging towards that level of intricate um on a budget yeah um, compared to you know what Godier was doing uh for fifth element but like that kind of vivid wild weird little bit suggestive thing and clearly so much effort went into it so then it comes time to put Mario and Luigi in the famous clothing of Mario and Luigi and you could have just got a Halloween costume and put it on them. I mean, could have sh- just got a, a Mario Halloween costume. It should be noted, this was not a cheap production. Oh, not at all. Uh, it, this, this film was made for $48 million in 1993. Yeah. Huge money. sets, some CGI, animatronics. Yes. Uh, huge amount of act- actors in big city scenes. That, yeah, like you can look at it and tell that it was not made on the cheap. No. But then there are certain bits where... There are corners that are just cut. There are, yeah, bits that feel so B-movie. When this was not a B-movie for its day. No. This was mainstream. Like, I remember being a kid, like, so many people were talking about this film. Mm Mm-hmm. It was an event. It was a big fucking deal. (sighs) It's so weird. It's very strange. The decisions. The... The priorities of this film. So they shut everything about it. Sorry, they shut down the heating system uh, to freeze out the lizards. Go board an elevator in their new costumes, and then some goombas get on board, and they sort of edge around the elevator and them so that they're hidden behind them. And then some other goombas board, and they have to shuffle around the existing goombas in order to remain. So this this sort of comical physical comedy bit. One of the more famous scenes as well, this is another one I remember as a kid that, that got a lot of uh, attention, mm-hmm. the, the elevator scene. Uh, so Lena goes to Koopa with Iggy and Spike and tells him of their betrayal, and uh, he orders them to be killed. Um, and then, jealous of Daisy, Lena tries to persuade Koopa that she's all he needs. And there's a great... There's a there's one of the little dialogue bits... Where, you know, she, she turns to Koopa and she says, I want you. And you can tell that that's not... She's intending, she wants to, a partnership. He's, yeah. and, and, and he's thinking it's sexual. And rejects her. And he doesn't have time for her. Because he's got all this shit going on. Not, not knowing that he has, she has what he needs. Yeah, but yep. he just shoves her aside. And it's this great scene. For them yeah. to have. Um, and, and that's the point at which you know, Lena decides, well, then she's going to just proceed without him. Um, back on the elevators, now full of Goombas, and the Mario Brothers appear trapped, but some music starts playing, and this gives Luigi an idea, and he starts to sway the Goombas into dance. And then, once they're all dancing, the, the brothers escape through a hatch at the top of the elevator. Um, Daisy has brought some food by Toad, but she's a strict vegetarian uh, and requests a, ste- a plate of steamed vegetables, which he is so happy to accommodate. <laughs> I love the Toad Goomba. He is so yeah. happy. And, and, you know, and it's reflective of that annoyingly happy human go- uh, to- Toad. Who, like, even in light of this incredibly oppressive thing that he recognizes all the problems with, has this cheery attitude. Uh, it fits right with it. Uh, adorable. 
Um, so then Lena comes into the room, and Daisy tries to persuade Lena to let her go, because it's clear that Lena doesn't want her anywhere around this. Yeah. And Lena agrees, tries to kill her, as her interpretation of escape. Uh, but Yoshi intervenes with his tongue. Yeah. And Daisy mm-hmm. flees. Now, uh, Lena stabs Yoshi, and that's fucked up. Oh, yeah, I, feel, I, I always forget that bit, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always a bit of a shocker when that happens. Stabs him in the neck, and mm-hmm. then escapes uh, Yoshi and goes in pursuit of, of Daisy. And Daisy runs into Toad as she's escaping. He's happily holding this plate of steamed vegetables. He's so happy, so proud of himself for accomplishing his task and bringing her the thing that she wants. I love him. He's so great. Uh, and then she runs into Iggy and Spike, um, just past Toad, who's guarded by two other Goombas, and they shoot their flame weapons and set Toad on fire, who seems distressed, mm-hmm. yet still happy. <laughs> He's a real high point of the film for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's good. Uh, Daisy uses, and then Daisy goes out of her way to, you know, just to demonstrate that she's a good person. She grabs fire yeah. extinguisher and attempts to save Toad. She is too good for this sinful world. Well, and, and but he was really nice to her. He brought her he steamed vegetables in this place that is very clearly not built for vegetarians. Yes. Uh, all sorts of meats. Where being did he eaten get here. vegetables from? Yeah, I don't know. This this world's a desert. <laughs> Uh, they could have come up with anything. They could have just said it's an alternate timeline where dinosaurs yep. took over and for some reason fucked their resources up. Um, Something. She then escapes with Iggy and Spike who take her to see her father, the de-evolved Mushroom King. Uh, Mario and... It, hmm? it looks very Silent Hill. It does. It's a big, like... like Mucusy ball. Yeah, like, and it comes out of a hole. It makes me think of like something Cronenberg would envision. Yes, it's it's very I mean, body horror as well, like like fleshy and and sticky yeah. and oozy. It is, and a, just the way it like falls out of and goes into a hole, like just this horrible. There's something very psychosexual about it. Yes, yes, it's a giant dangling scrow. I was gonna say it's 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 like a clit with a mind of its own. Mmm, mind clip. Yeah. Oh, keep away from the fungus clip. <laughs> um, Mario and Luigi find themselves in a gap, at a gap in the tower. And, you know, this is their, the difference between them again. Luigi just fearlessly jumps and finds himself to be flying over it. And encourages Mario to also jump, realizing too late that his belt landed on a hook and he's suspended. It's another great moment of physical comedy. Um... Mario falls and, and lands in a net of fungus that just sort of stretches itself out to catch him. And he's bounced... A little, a... little subtle um, CG effect there going mm-hmm. on. He's bounced a couple of times before being caught by Luigi. Uh, Yoshi then teaches Daisy how to use a computer by, like, directing her to the gun holster because the gun mouse... It's all point and click, apparently, yeah. or point and shoot in this world. Um, and she uses it to contact Mario and Luigi. Koopa's also watching, uh, unfortunately, and so he knows that the game is afoot. Uh, Luigi once again claims that the fungus is trying to communicate, and then they follow Daisy's voice through a door. Um, Koopa gets informed that the troops are ready to start the invasion of the other dimension, but he hadn't ordered it. Um, and he learns that Lena had 
and realizes that she must have the missing meteorite piece and orders her arrest. Um, reunited with the Mario Brothers, Daisy introduces them to her dad, uh, and, and Luigi does the very sort of like, oh, it's nice to meet you, sir, kind of thing, you know, like when you meet yeah. your girlfriend's father. <laughs> it's odd. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then Daisy, intru- Daisy asks um, how Danielle is doing, revealing to Mario that she's also here. He had been unaware. And so he rushes off to her rescue. And just after he leaves, Koopa arrives with Goombas capturing Luigi and Daisy because we needed Mario to be off on his own. Yeah. Um, Lena goes to the site of the meteorite but gets arrested. Mario sneaks in to rescue the ladies and uh, is revealed to the Goomba guarding them, that, uh, when, when Daniela is pointing him out to one of the other ladies, and she's like, oh my god, Mario! She talks about him like she knows him. And that's weird. Yeah. She's not even from Brooklyn, yeah. she's the one that's from Queens. I don't get yeah. it. I, 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 I can't even question the film at this point, like, this is where I'm just like, whatever you want to have yep. happen, film, just, just go for I'm it. I'm on board. Um, he quickly dispatches the Gooba on guard, rescues the women. Uh, Koopa's given the meteorite piece and then prepares his troops, armed with de-evolution guns, to go and invade the human world. Meanwhile, Mario and the ladies escape the tower by riding a mattress down a frozen pipe, pursued by Goombas that are on some sort of sled, and he incapacitates them along the way, and they wind up ejected into the street, colliding with Koopa and his Goomba guards, which winds up liberating Daisy and Luigi. Uh, Koopa points out that they're all pretty screwed regardless. Uh, but monologues long enough for Mario to use a jet, bo- a jet boot to kick Koopa over a railing into a hanging metal basket. And he then inst- hands his tool belt to Luigi. Luigi's lost his tools at some point in the desert. He, they fall out of his belt. Yeah. Uh, and so they swap belts so that Luigi can use Mario's tools to free them from the handcuffs while Mario goes and fights confronts Koopa, uh, and he swings to the basket on some fungus and forces Koopa to drop the stone, um, which he does. Lena reaches out to catch it, and in doing so, she falls over the railing and onto the street's electrical grid. Fucked up. Yeah. And it's not, like, comical electricity, Really? No, 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 no. It, it's it's kind of violent, and it puts a shock of gray hair uh, into her. Yeah, but her whole hair at this point doesn't it just go? Vroomph. Yeah, like it's all big and frizzy and, and very uh, and bright of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Mario makes like he has the rock still, uh, and and keeps Koopa busy, and then Lena runs off with the media or with the meteor bit, and um, and. Daisy and Luigi pursue her because they see that she's got it. And a not very interesting chase scene ensues with Koopa and Mario. Now, uh, Lena tries to restore the meteorite. And Luigi takes the opportunity to show the the abductee women the exit back to their dimension, tells them to warn people. Koopa and Mario face off, and Mario pulls the babam out of Luigi's tool belt to the horror of everybody witnessing it. And I love this because you know mm. it's, it's it's just really comically well done. The the bomb is this little cute kind of silly it, thing. It's, it's one of my um, it's always been one of my favorite scenes ever since I uh, saw it as a kid. It's one of those scenes that I when I think about the film that comes up and and it's 
it is very, very much that sort of wind-up toy with the wind-up toy feet. Yes. And Reebok product placement, which was weird. Yeah, yeah, I remember the Reebok logo, yeah. But, but, uh, and so, like, the idea, because those things move so slowly, and it's just, it's so built for comedy, and they execute it really well. They they do a good job with it, yeah, just the the sheer terror of it. And it, uh, and he sets it down, and it slowly walks, but it falls through a piece of weak concrete, landing far below, and, and Koopa mocks him for failing. Uh, Lena can't handle the power of the meteorite. She's just, like, killed. It just blasts her into the wall, uh, obliterating yeah. all but her skeleton, which becomes fossilized. Yeah. Um, Daisy... And then the jaw, the lower jaw just falls in a moment of pathos, which, again, I thought was very well done. Yes, I agree. Uh, but her, oh, and her, her earrings survive, too. I like that. Oh, yes. Um, uh, now, Daisy comes to the determination that she's the only one capable of actually doing anything with the meteorite. Uh, which is why Koopa needed her, and she starts to try to remove the fragment. Uh, it's stuck, so she needs Luigi's tool. Uh, Mario taunts him with the fake rock he's not holding, you know, Koopa, I mean, um, and then blows out the pilot light in Koopa's fireball gun. It's a fun scene. Uh, then they both start to dematerialize, and Koopa realizes that the dimensions are merging and that Mario doesn't actually have the rock. Uh, they appear in Brooklyn at the construction site, and the Twin Towers transform into Koopa Tower. Um, now? Like, post-2001? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it was a cool thing then, and it's a fine thing now. It's kind of fucking creepy to see destroying, you know, like, or, I don't know, like, half-destroyed Twin Towers in it. Yeah. But that's just yeah. us deriving it's... symbolism from crap, so. Yeah, of course. Um, and, and, and I, I do like you know, that they observe it's there. And then the reaction from Scapelli is, oh, those guys will do anything for publicity. Yeah, just thinks it's a stunt. And that's entertaining. Yeah. Um, Koopa de-evolves Scapelli into a monkey to the delight of all the onlookers. <laughs> just funny. Yeah, they think it's brilliant. Yeah, they're really into it. And then Koopa like, tries... They're looking at some fucked up shit right now, but it's good to have a giggle. And Koopa then tries to de-evolve Mario, but Mario shields himself with a mushroom that grows large due to his trust and blocks the shot, and then he flings it at Koopa and knocks the gun out of his hands. It's at this point that Daisy and Luigi successfully move the fragment, and everyone's transported back to Dino Hatton. Now, meanwhile, the bomb continues its trek. It interrupts traffic that's fearful of colliding with it, and then starts climbing up walls. Um, Luigi and Daisy are given de-evolution guns by Toad. Koopa orders his Goobas to shoot Mario, but Toad plays his harmonica, causing them to dance instead, while Bertha tosses Luigi a pair of jump boots so that he can reach Mario. So, like, everyone, all the friends they've made are all coming together to help him out in the final confrontation. There's good, there's good story construction here. There was a really, there was a really funny bit as well involving the, the bit with the Goombas, when off-screen, like, Koopa just gets a call yes. from the, a, a guy just, sir, hey, sir the you're... Goombas are dancing again. Yes. <laughs> it's just just really well done delivery on that bit. Uh, the the pair uh, so Luigi jumps to reach Mario with the boots. They shoot Koopa with the de-evolution guns. He turns into a really weird lizard thing just as the bomb arrives beneath his feet and explodes. It launches him into the metal basket he was in before, and then he comes back up and he's even more like, "Oh, I'm a lizard." The Mario brothers yeah. give him another shot with the guns, causing Koopa to de-evolve to the point of being ooze. 
and the assembled people of the city cheer. Um, they then jump boot to Daisy, Mario and Luigi do. The crowd starts immediately painting all over all the Koopa signs. Uh, oh, also, the Mushroom King turns, returns to normal for reasons. And it's Lance Henriksen. It is. Weird. Yeah, uh, for, for a line. Love those plumbers. At the site of the meteorite, Daisy uses her fragment to reopen the passage between dimensions, but she can't go with them, saying she has things to, she needs to do here, much to Luigi's disappointment. And the Mario brothers return to Brooklyn. Three weeks later, Mario and Daniela are cooking dinner while Luigi watches television and the weird tales show that he watches is telling the story of Mario and Luigi saving the day. Then there's a knock at the door, and it's Daisy, saying she needs them to come back. And Mario, demonstrating that he has uh, changed as a person, professes his belief in things. And that's Super Mario Brothers. I mean, apart from the post-credit bit where uh, Nintendo executives come to Spike and Iggy and want to make a game about them. And that's the movie, you know. Yeah. So Conrad, did you like Super Mario Brothers or not? Yeah, I actually did. I had fun with yeah. it. I mean, it's dopey and silly and whatever. That's... It's inoffensive. It that's is inoffensive. That's the weird thing. As weird as it is and as wa- wild as it is, and as much as it doesn't make sense, or as little as it makes sense, it doesn't... It doesn't distress me to watch it or to know it exists. Or it, It's fine that it is there. And I'm kind of glad that it's there. It's this bizarre relic and uh, uh, just something that did its best to be entertaining and tried as hard as it could despite so many problems, so much meddling, so many people involved and actors who didn't want to be there but did not let it show. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about it. It's, I, there, there is heart there. There's heart there, and it shows, and and that's infectious, and it, it makes me enjoy the film. Yep, I I couldn't agree more. Um, it, there are definitely some flaws. There there was a completely different climax originally planned, um, where Mario was to climb the Brooklyn Bridge, and defeat you know the Super Lizard Koopa at the top. And, you know, have him plummet to his death, a la King Kong reference, I think. And right, yeah. That would have been cool. But I actually yeah, didn't have a it's problem. clear that the film teases a big fight against, like, almost from, like, like near the beginning of the film with the eye changing. Yeah. They are building up. You're going to see him as a lizard later. And then... And you do, but, <laughs> but like, briefly as a flicker. Yeah. But on the whole, yeah, no, I, I did enjoy it. Um, it's... I think it's very entertaining from the perspective it's, it's the movie that, that sort of killed uh, Morton and Jenkel's film career prospects that were so promising. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do another film after this, I don't think. Um, uh, Morton does commercials. I'm not sure what Jenkel's up to. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this reduced their stock. Obviously, Nintendo got cold feet about doing things with Hollywood again. Um, yeah, it had a lot of lasting negative impact and it's, on various things. Like, it's not a good movie. It's, it's a, not. A it's good it's film, a movie no. with good things about it that I can take. I can find an appreciation of. Yeah, they're, they're, it's got really, really good moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is there's there, there's there's dull stuff you got to sit through to get to it. There's stuff that crosses the line from amusingly strange to just frustratingly incomprehensible 
but on the whole, it's a film that, you know, I've watched several times now in my life, and I don't regret the times I've watched it. I would I watch could it happily again. Live the, yeah, I mean, I could happily live the rest of my life again never seeing it. Sure. But if it was on, and there were people about and, and, and that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I there are worse things to, to spend my time doing than, than watching the Super Mario Brothers film. So what which are we... sounds so much like damning with faint press, <laughs> but there it is. Well, what are we watching next time, Jim? Right, well, we are watching... Uh, this, is, this, is one, this is another one, actually, that I watched probably around the same time as, as Mario Brothers, uh, but it is a, a markedly different beast. We are watching Street Fighter II, the animated movie. I have never watched this, but I've heard very good things. Yes, uh, and let me just make sure, because there are several different animes and things. Uh, this one is the one that was released in 1994. Yeah. So you're looking for, it's called Street Fighter 2, colon, the animated movie, if you are someone who likes to track down the film and, and watch beforehand. Uh, Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, uh, August 8th, 1994, there's your exact release date. And as Conrad discovered when we were planning out what we were going to do... Um, very, very recently re-released on Blu-ray. Yeah, like in October. October. So, like, it's it's, it's almost available. timely that we're doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not on, like, Amazon streaming or anything, but it is on Blu-ray. It is available to watch if you are someone who watches before listening. So, that's the movie. you got two weeks to obtain. And I think that'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah. I'm all um, tapped out. Wanna, it's another wanna fucking two hour. To, uh, if you haven't had an opportunity yet, go check out the Plague Road Kickstarter. It's the game that I'm currently designing. We got Jim narrating on it. We just announced yep. physical Vita version of it that people seem to really be happy about. Uh, so you can go check that out at PlagueRoad.com. Um, and then you can also listen to other podcast stuff that... Jim and I do on fish shark marketing. Although I'm so I'm so late getting another episode out, and I'm, I apologize for that. I've just been stupid busy, and I'm hoping to get a new editor next year. If you know anybody who does editing, you get a hold of me because um, I need help. And I think go. that's it. Yeah, thank you for that because I'm so tired of talking. No problem. Um, thank you for doing the lead off. <laughs> Thank you all for listening, as always. Um, hope you do have a good Christmas holiday. Again, whatever you celebrate. If you don't celebrate, just have a nice day. Yeah. Um, just, just, just have a have a have a chill season. And we will see you next time for Street Fighter Two, the animated movie. And bye, bye.